grace and peace to you this morning. It is good to be here and worship with you. As we gather today, I invite you to take a couple of deep breaths, a chance just to settle yourself here in this place and in this space. Let us now prepare our hearts and our minds to worship God. rise in body or spirit for the call to worship. There is none like God, a splendor and a joy. May all the earth sing to God, the fish of the sea, the fields brimming with crops, and the forests filled with creatures. May our whole creation become a chorus whose song is God. May our voices join creation's chorus in praising God.
You may be seated. I want to welcome you here to worship at Westminster. It is so good to have you with us, especially if you're visiting with us. I want to welcome you. And if you're sitting here on the middle aisle during our offering, if you take that pew pad, sign it, pass it down, pass it back to the middle, and take a look at the names of the people who are worshiping near you. That way, after the service, you might seek out someone you don't know and greet them by name. So I invite you now to join me in our community prayer that's printed in the bulletin. Let us pray. If we had a fraction of the faith in you that you have in us, then this world would be transformed, O oh God. If we show the fraction of the love that you show to us, then this world would be transformed, O oh God. If we possessed a fraction of the patience that you display with us, then this world would be transformed, O oh God. If we showed as much trust in others as you have shown in us, then this world would be transformed, O oh God. Transform us, O oh God, that we might transform this world through your love and your grace. Amen. Our prayers continue in quiet. Amen. Friends, hear the good news. In Christ, God calls us forth to the light of new life. The healing power of God's forgiveness restores us to wholeness. God releases us from all that binds us, freeing us to live as children of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. And now I'd like to invite any children who are worshiping with us to come join Jeff here at the front. Good morning. I like your bow ties. Did you tie that? No? Oh, they did? I don't know how to tie one either. I wish I did. So I just got back my friend Todd, and some other friends from Santa Cruz. Raise your hand if you've been to Santa Cruz before. <laughs> Coach Bethany did. <laughs> and guess what we got Ms. Bethany to do while we were in Santa Cruz? We got her to play dodgeball. <laughs> Would you like to play dodgeball with Bethany sometime? I don't know if what I did could be considered playing <laughs> dodgeball. <laughs> I told, what I did, I hid in the back is yeah. what I did. So if you're ever playing dodgeball, I told Bethany that our motto in this church is to never retreat, only advance. <laughs> so she learned. But we, when we were there, we had a lot of fun. It's, and if you've been to Santa Cruz, you probably haven't gone to a lot of the places that we went. We went to uh, kind of an alleyway that was sort of dirty, and there's some people who live on the street near there, and we fed people while we were there. It was at a Catholic kitchen uh, there, and then we went to a little club for children like you, but a lot of their families and their parents maybe don't have as much money as yours do, and they work a lot, or 
Some, one of the children there told me she's uh, one of eight children. She has seven siblings, and they have a two-bedroom apartment. It's like a big slumber party every day. So, and then we went to another place. It was like a farm up on the coast, and we worked with people there that uh, are experiencing different kinds of difficulty. And so a lot of us go to Santa Cruz, but usually when we go to Santa Cruz, we don't do stuff like that. It's not normal. And that was the theme of our week, is what is normal? And we talked about that it's normal to go through changes. It's normal to have good days and bad days. It's normal to feel unique and to stand out. And we, last we talked about that it should be normal that we serve others and we take care of others. So I want to show you a short video of all the ways that we served people and all the fun times we had, because we, we did a lot while we were there. We served at three different places. We went to the boardwalk. We went to the beach. We went to get ice cream. We went to get coffee. Sometimes we slept, but we just <laughs> went and went, and we did a lot. So can I show it to you? That's when you turn the sound on. Here, let's see. Is our speaker no good? Okay, well. Yeah, we'll try that. Okay, so the sound may not be the best, but you, I was going to tell you, you'll be able to see this on the church's Facebook page stuff after the service, so we'll try this out.
make their meal and If you couldn't hear everything well, you can find it on our church's Facebook page uh, later today. But hopefully you'll get to do this one day with us, and you can help us. Because like I said, it's not, for some people, it's not normal to serve others and to take care of others. And you know what? It should be. And it also should be normal for us to do it here and not just in Santa Cruz. And so you can help us by when you find our youth, you could tell them, I told you to ask them, have you been serving people lately? And you can all help us as well. So let's head off to our classes now. Go now in peace, go now in peace. May the Lord. That actually is a wonderful segue into our time of joys and concerns where we share with each other the, what, what is on our hearts and minds to pray about. So what Jeff didn't mention is a special thank you and joy to all of our adult leaders who made that trip happen. Um, Jeff certainly was the main man in charge, but he also had Sharon and Todd, who I think I saw somewhere, and uh, Laura, and then he also had two high school student leaders, Lauren and Araya, uh, making that happen. So a big joy for all of you to make that happen. 
So now what is on your hearts and minds today? What, what would you like us to be in prayer about this week? Yes, Susan. Amen. Amen. So this is Sharon's very good friend. You've said she's like another daughter for you who had a heart transplant and is just doing really well. What a joy. Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So prayers for you all. They're going to be moving to Santa Monica to be with mom. So it has certainly been a joy to get to know you and prayers on your journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Others? Yeah, Richard. Absolutely. So, 19th birthday of your godson. What a joy. Amen. Oh, there's Barb. Amen. So a mom and her young child um, who came to this area and they thought they had housing and they didn't. So there was a lot of emergency situation with housing and food and such, which was cared for. And now they've just been able to move into a more permanent residence. So prayers continue for them as they get to know and live in this new area. June. Oh, jeez. Amen. Yes. Yeah. Amen. 
Amen. So their son suffered a heart attack just a couple days ago and then had surgery, um, but gave him a call the morning after the surgery and is healing well. So two, so two different prayers from Libby. One, a long-term French pen pal who has been quite ill and in the hospital, so prayers for healing there. And then prayers for your youngest daughter who has had a very long-term illness um, but is now to the point where she can think about sort of what's next and moving back into, into the world. So prayers for Megan as well. Yes, in the back, Meg. Scotty, you know, oh, you want to say something? Yeah. Scotty was struggling with an illness for quite a while, and your absence was noted, and we have been praying for you, and it's so good to see you back with us. Absolutely. Bruce. before they didn't know it was twins for a while they did know it was twins before the actual birthday though right yeah so but prayers prayers for that family absolutely nancy yes yeah continued prayers for peter and marilyn words peter dealing with bladder cancer it's been a struggle um but he really feels like he is on the getting better side of things now so absolutely Let's take a few moments of quiet, and then I'll lead us in the Lord's Prayer. So let's be in prayer together. (coughs) Gracious God, you do hear the prayers of your people, and for that we give you thanks. We pray always in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father.
The scripture reading this morning is Psalms 96. Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless God's name, tell of God's salvation from day to day. Declare God's glory among the nations, God's marvelous works among all the peoples. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. God is to be revered above all gods, for the gods of the people are idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Honor and majesty are before God. Strength and beauty are in God's sanctuary. 
Ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due God's name. Bring an offering and come into God's courts. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. Tremble before God, all the earth. This is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. So that psalm just started, sing to the Lord. So I think we should do just that. Let's sing together number 614. Now our second reading from Paul's letter to the Galatians. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who are confusing you and want to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should proclaim to you a gospel contrary to what we proclaimed to you, let that one be accursed. As we have said before, so now I repeat, if anyone proclaims to you a gospel contrary to what you have received, let that one be accursed. Am I now seeking human approval or God's approval? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still pleasing people, I would not be a servant of Christ. For I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that the gospel that was proclaimed by me is not of human origin. For I did not receive it from a human source, nor was I taught it. But I received it through a revelation of Jesus Christ. This too is holy wisdom, holy word. Thanks be to God. Now I know I'm about to take a risk of completely boring those of you who already know this story that I'm about to tell, but I want to share with you today just a little bit of my own call story of some of the events and experiences that led me to become an ordained pastor. And I share this story today because when I hear this letter from Paul to the Galatians, I'm vividly reminded of that time in my life. So just a little background I grew up here in Northern California, up in Sebastopol, and the church I attended up there, it was a United Church of Christ church. It was very similar, actually, to Westminster, quite theologically progressive, though 
as a child, I had no idea what theologically progressive meant. I just knew that it was a church where I learned about how much I was loved, how much I was loved by God, how much I was loved by the congregation. And I was loved not because of what I did or what I believed, but I was loved simply because I was a beloved child of God. I also learned at this congregation that there wasn't necessarily one right way to be a follower of Jesus. You know, this was a church community that was journeying together, figuring out what it meant to be a disciple. I don't know if you noticed, but last week on our bulletin cover, Rob actually printed the slogan for the United Church of Christ. Slogan is, God is still speaking. And the church of my childhood wholeheartedly believed that. They didn't have all the answers because God was still revealing God's self. And they were still learning and journeying together. So fast forward several years, and then as a young adult shortly out of college, this Northern California girl found herself in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I was there as part of a teaching program. And after getting all moved into my apartment, one of my first priorities was to find a new church community. So I went to church, after church, after church, after church. I think I tried about a dozen different churches, and none of them were right for me. The main problem I was having, that preacher after preacher was preaching sermons filled with exclusivity, filled with division. It seemed like these pastors knew the exact right way to be a Christian, and if you weren't going to be a Christian exactly how they thought you should be, then perhaps you weren't really a Christian at all. In these church communities, it seemed like God certainly was not still speaking. It seemed as if God had spoken, and they knew exactly what God had said, and that was how it was going to be. And that way excluded a whole lot of ways of being and believing and doing in the world. Which leads me back to this letter from Paul. You know, he had been with the Galatians as part of their community, teaching and preaching about Jesus. For that really was the call that Paul had perceived for his own life. You know, he was called to move from community to community and share about the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And for Paul, the main and most important message that he had to share was about the love of God as made known in Jesus. To him, nothing was more important than that. Dr. Wendy Farley is a professor over at uh, San Francisco Theological Seminary, and she explains it like this. She says that for Paul, love makes one a Christian. It is love that justifies and makes us right. That love is not conditioned by anything but God's own love for humanity. If we miss this for Paul, we miss everything. You know, Paul himself writes in another letter to the Romans that nothing can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know, that's the message Paul preached to the Galatians. That's the message he preached everywhere he went. So he was with the Galatians, but then he moved on to go to other communities. And according to his letter, after he left, some other teachers came in. 
And they were teaching a rather different message about Jesus. In fact, Paul says that they were trying to confuse the Galatians. They were perverting the gospel, says Paul. Now, in just the short passage we heard today, it isn't quite clear what these new teachers were teaching. But if you read further in the book of Galatians, what they were telling the Galatians is that in order to be followers of Jesus, they first must accept some of the Jewish practices and traditions, and then they could go ahead and follow Jesus. Just a little bit of history to help make that make sense. In those days, there were two main groups of people following Jesus. One group had been Jewish, and their Jewish customs and traditions were very important to them, even as they began to follow Christ. And then there was another group, the Gentiles, who had not been Jewish, didn't feel any need to become Jewish in order to follow Jesus. Now for Paul, either way was fine. It was about the love of God. But for these other teachers, they put up some barriers. They put up some rules and regulations that they thought the Galatians would follow before they could become true disciples. Now... Paul thinks this is utter insanity. My word's not his. Because it goes against the very teachings of Jesus himself. You know, Jesus who went out of his way to make sure all were included. Jesus who went out of his way to care for the outcast. Who traveled literally hundreds of miles into Gentile territory just so they could hear him preach and teach about the love of God. Wendy Farley again says, Paul was passionate about the radical inclusivity of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus was all about drawing people in, not pushing people out. So back to my search for a church in Baton Rouge, and time after time, I did not hear that message of radical inclusivity. Instead, all I heard were ways to keep people away from following Jesus. So again, I tried and I tried. And finally, I found a church actually recommended to me by a teacher colleague where I did hear that message of open and welcome and love being preached Sunday after Sunday. And I knew that finally I had found my church home. And really, I hope that those of you that call Westminster your church home are here because that is a message that you hear here as well. So a happy ending to my story, right? It's always good to have a story with a happy ending. However, that's not the end of the story because we also heard today from the psalmist. You know, the psalmist who tells us to declare God's glory to all the nations to declare God's marvelous works to all peoples, for great is our God. Now, according to the psalmist, it's not enough to simply resist those teachings that it want to exclude people from God's love. Now, it's not enough to simply find a wonderful church community to call home. Now, according to the psalmist, We are called to then go out and declare God's glory. We are called to declare God's marvelous works. So there I was, sitting in church in Baton Rouge, and I got to thinking. If all those preachers out there are putting up all these barriers to following Christ, 
How am I called to help tear some of those barriers down? Now, how am I called to declare God's marvelous works to those people who need to hear it the most? And that is when, very, very slowly, I started to discern this call to ordained ministry. I think part of it was the stubborn side of me that thought, you know, if those preachers could be preaching this message of exclusion, I needed to be out there preaching something different. I couldn't let their voice be the only or the loudest voice out there. Now, I realize that not all of us are called to ordained ministry. Thank goodness. What a strange world that would be. <laughs> However, we are all called to ministry. You know, we are all called to declare God's marvelous works to the people, each in our own way. You know, I feel so proud to serve a church that fully believes in the radical inclusivity of Jesus Christ, to serve a church that knows that God is still speaking and that we are journeying in our lives and our faiths together. But I do wonder, I do wonder if we could be better at declaring that glory of God beyond these four walls. And I include myself in that. You know, here I tell you this story of this call to go boldly proclaim the gospel. And I know that there are so many times I could be more bold in doing that. You know, it's not easy. I'm reminded of a time several years ago when Rob and I gave a survey to some of our elders and deacons. It was called a natural church development survey, and it was meant to sort of analyze some of the strengths and weaknesses of us as a church community. There were eight categories that were considered to be important categories in healthy and thriving churches. And Westminster scored very high in a lot of the categories, but there was one that was significantly lower than everyone else, every other category. And that category was called passionate spirituality. And so Rob and I give the results back to the elders and deacons, and we got a lot of pushback on that low score. What do you mean? We're very spiritual people. We're passionate about our spirituality. Well, we may be a little quiet about sharing it with others. Now, the consensus was that though this is a deeply spiritual congregation, that it is sometimes difficult to sort of show that passion to the world. And I get it. I get it. It's not always easy to talk about our relationship with God to someone who may not have a relationship with God. And there are certainly lots of those people here in Marin County. You know, it could be difficult to share about our view of a radically inclusive love of Jesus to some who may understand the love of Jesus differently. You know, and certainly, we don't want to come across as you know, in-your-face proselytizers forcibly converting someone to our way of being. No way. But I don't think that is quite what the psalmist is getting at here. You know, remember, the psalmist begins simply by saying, Sing to the Lord a new song. And I hope... I hope that we each at some point are moved by the love and the joy and the grace of God in our own lives that we cannot help but sing. And I also hope that we are so moved by the love and the joy and the grace of God in our lives that we cannot help but declare God's marvelous works 
to those who really need to hear it. Now, about a month ago, Rob talked about a woman named Rachel Held Evans, who had been quite a force, quite a voice for progressive Christianity in our nation. And early in May, she died very unexpectedly. So Rob shared some of her writings that had sort of risen her to fame. And I want to share with you today something that was written after Rachel's death. It was written by two of her friends as they remembered her legacy and her fight for that radical inclusivity of Jesus' love. And they say this about her. They say, Rachel never positioned herself simply against anything. To tell the truth is to recognize Rachel for who she was, someone who, inspired by Jesus' love for her, poured out uncommon love and worked relentlessly for the good of all people, whether they agreed with her or not. Rachel was for an all-embracing vision of Christ's church and the relentless inclusion of refugees and those suffering poverty, of LGBTQ people, of women, and especially women of color, of the unseen and unheard and swept aside. She used her writing to build the bridges so many of us needed to get back to God's love, to one another and to the church. Rachel was for Jesus in many ways. She would have gotten in much less trouble if she hadn't believed so deeply that Jesus meant what he said. Ultimately, Rachel was for the abundance of ordinary ways we encounter God. Everything she did pointed to these encounters. Feeding people, opening her home, stirring our laughter, attuning our ears to the pre-dawn song of a mockingbird. Since her death, the main question that I have seen people asking over and over again is, who is going to pick up where Rachel left off? Who is going to care for the marginalized? Who is going to make sure that all are included? Who is going to declare God's marvelous works? My answer? All of us. For each one of us is called to preach and teach about the good news of Jesus Christ. May it be so. Amen.
Amen. You may be seated. I encourage you to check out what's happening here in the life of the church. One thing I wanted to highlight is Julie Barnes, who has been a longtime friend of Westminster, has uh, perceived her own call to ordained ministry, and will be ordained a week from Saturday on July 6th. There's information here in the bulletin, or if you're interested in attending that ordination service, let me know and I can give you some of the details. And finally, I actually forgot one of our joys and concerns. I think maybe because I might be in a little bit of denial that it's about to happen. But we have an adult mission trip that is leaving today. <laughs> we, are, we commissioned uh, the mission trip participants at our 830 service, 
Um, it's Diane Newman, Carol Kaufman, Jane Drobot, April Green, John Long, and then I'm going for half of the week. They're going up to Lake County. They're actually going to be working alongside several people from the Sebastopol Church that I just talked about, um, helping to rebuild houses that were destroyed in the fires up in Lake County several years ago. So I only, I'm looking forward to it. I only say I'm in denial because apparently it's going to be hot up there. Um, so pray for, our, pray for our team as they work and as they serve God this week. And now I invite you to stand as you are comfortable for our closing hymn, number 410. Now, as you go from this place, know that the love of God, who is our creator, Jesus Christ, who is our redeemer, the Holy Spirit, who is our sustainer, goes with us now and always. Amen. Amen.